This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results' Darren Ahern and Presidential Bank Mortgage's Terry Kernan. Hey folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I'm Darren Ahern, bringing you almost 20 years experience from REMAX Results for the Maryland and PA area. And uh, my wingman, Terry Kernan, who is at an undisclosed fun summertime beach location. Everybody can probably guess where that is. He is on the line, I believe, with us now. T, are you there, my friend? I am. I am. I am. How are you? All right. Good, good. How's everything down at the beach? Everything's great. Uh, the weather's been great. Uh, it's been um, just unbelievable weather. So it's been awesome uh, having a good time. Uh, got family down, so got all the kids Um Get our granddaughter, so it's just really a special time, and really enjoying ourselves. So thanks for, thanks for letting me call in. Yeah, yeah, it's good, uh, good as always here as we catch up on things. So let's go ahead and get right on into it. What's happening? I'm just going to do inventory and all that. So 423 is total actives, and so that's definitely down a little bit. Resale is 260. Average days on market's gone up quite a bit now. We're at 32 days is the average of the 485 median average price, and that's come down just a tiny, tiny bit. Um, a lot of people may ask, like, you know, Darren, how can how can that happen? And um, it just depends. Sometimes it's just things that are below, you know, three or $400,000 that we get more of those come on the market in a given week versus something that's above the average. And so that just pulls it down a tiny bit. Um, but still, all in all, it's real close always. So 163 is the new construction, 54 coming soon, Terry. This is the one that we talk about a lot, just uh, can't get past 60, 70 at times. The average in there get past over 100. 54, 786 pending under contracts right now. And then the solds in the last 30 days, um, is 448 homes, 20 average days in the market. So that is, again, we see that climbing a little bit in retrospect to the delay of what's being offered for sale right now in that average time frame. Um, I did pull out what's single-family homes selling in townhouses. So 218 single families have sold in the last 30 days versus 122 townhouses, and the rest are like condominiums, which is usually about 30 or so or 35 um, or so like that. And the average of uh, this list of price sold ratio did come down a little bit. It's 100.6. So that came down just a tiny, tiny uh, bit. So, And I know for me, I just got a place under contract we just listed four or five days ago at the asking price. Um, and then I had another one that I was telling everybody about that we did the open house last week. I did get a cash offer on that, and that came in just slightly lower. Um, we knew we were shooting a little bit high, so that came in about 10 lower, which was uh, fine because I I was a little nervous about an appraisal issue and it was cash and it was like no contingencies and it's about as clean as you can get and the terms met everything that my seller needed. So that sometimes, that's what I'm going to talk about today. That is sometimes more valuable than anything in that regard. So, all right, Terry, I'm going to turn it over to you, let you share what is happening this week that you have uh, seen and all that besides saltwater and seagulls and all that uh, stuff down at the beach and all the fun stuff. So go ahead, tell us what's happening in your world. So let's talk about what's going on, and basically, uh, and you and I talked a little bit about it when getting ready for the show, is last week we talked about, are we in a recession? Okay, what's going on there? They, they raised rates three-quarters of a point. Everybody was in a panic mode, 
but nothing changed on our rates, okay? And that's something that's very, very important that I want to kind of explain a little bit today is that when the Fed makes a move like they did, they raised the rates three-quarters of a point last week, that's a huge number, okay? And the, the thought is, well, mortgage rates are going to go up by three-quarters of a point. Here's what happens, Darren, is basically the investors that buy mortgage-backed securities, the investors that follow this on a daily basis, they factor in what they think is going to happen, okay? And when there's big rate swings, so let's say they make an announcement or data comes out and they make that announcement, when there's big rate swings, when that data comes out, the only reason it is swinging to where rates are going up or rates are going down is if the data comes out and it is off base from what they were predicting. So everybody was predicting that it was going to be raised by three quarters of a point. It was all is calm in the mortgage market. So let's take a look at what happens with um, if, if the unemployment number that we're waiting to come out comes out and they're expecting three jumps unexpectedly to 4%. Well, priced into the mortgage market right now is basically 3.6% is the number that's going to come out. If that number hits, then all will be calm in the market. If that number does not hit, that's where we start to see a little bit of a sell-off or buying or whatever the case may be, and that's where the rates will be adjusted one way or the other. So let's say rates, let's say unemployment comes out at 4% or 4.1%, a huge jump, unexpected jump. That's going to be bad news for the economy, and it's going to push our interest rates down, okay? It will put pressure to lower the interest rates. But let's say that for some reason they come out at 3.5%, well, that's going to put pressure to raise the interest rates because they were expecting it to stay exactly where it is. So when you see something, when you see news coming out, it doesn't mean, because I got a ton of calls last week, please lock my loan in. The rates are going up by three-quarters of a point. I can't, you know, I can't lose any more ground here, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And and after I explained what goes on, people were like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So any rates have been already pushed. So let's talk about raising rates, okay? Basically what we're taking a look at is that they're not going to raise rates in August, but they're going to come back and revisit it in September. Now, there's a 74% chance, according to uh, the economists, that they're going to raise it by a quarter of a percent on September 21st. So they've already factored in the fact that they're not going to raise rates in August, and they're going to do a quarter point in in September. But those numbers, those the, the size of the rate hike is going to be determined solely on the data that the, that the open market committee gets. So Chairman Powell basically said, we will have hike, rate hikes in the future. We just don't know what they're going to be because we have to go strictly off the data. So for right now, rates are going to change. Uh, rates are going to be steady. I believe that they're going to be steady through August unless any crazy numbers come out. But we're going to kind of wait and see how the September thing is. What they want to do is they've raised rates 1.5% on 
to the prime rate, to the lending rate. They've raised it 1.5% in the last 60 days. They're going to want to see the effect that it has on the economy. Now, if we see unemployment go over 4%, 4.2%, then what I talked about last week with the recession, we will definitely be probably in a recession, even though that the definition, we already meet the definition that I talked about last week, that we are in a recession, um, but nobody's going to admit to it. So, um, so that's what I have. All right. That makes sense. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, you can follow along with me, Terry. I want your input on whether some of the things that I'm dealing with uh, this week in real time. And last week we were talking about, um, you know, what are the strategies I started to really get into pretty good about what are the strategies for sellers and buyers right now with the change of the market and staying ahead of the change or the slight curve. Uh, for the seller side, it's about the competition, you know, and so I have two new homes that we just got up on the market. I was telling everybody last time, the townhouse, so staying ahead of the curve. Um, what does that really look like? The advice I've been given is this, is, um, you know, don't get greedy and get way ahead to where, um, you know, you're out there too far. And so the example I'm using pretty much is that like with a slow, you know, the little bit of slowdown of buyers and affordability difference, that's the biggest thing is people can't afford quite near the same amount overall. Uh, and, you know, with the interest rates going higher, unless they got a huge job increase of pay in the last three months then that kind of wipes that out. Or if they hit the billion-dollar, gazillion-dollar mega-lotto, who's the one person, then it really doesn't matter for those people. But for all of us, the rest of the guys, um, so what do I mean by that is this. The last best comp of a home that has sold, say, let's say it's like, because I'm dealing with this now with one that we're listing right now that we got in the market, uh, Townhouse in Frederick here in Wellington Trace. So if, let's just say we had one at $500,000, and it's easy to say, well, that one just settled, so why don't we just put this at, like, the market's still growing like crazy. It's still great and all that. Uh, let's get a little bit aggressive and put it at, like, 510. We can get $10,000 more than our next-door neighbor guy. Um, and, and I say, look, with all the actives and looking at everything in the area, some of the ranges were up to 510, but a lot of them were really this particular home was like at 490. And so I said, look, this is about your range where you shouldn't have an appraisal issue. You should be able to get an offer. And um, and so here's the different strategies that's going to ensure uh, the best, best bet. I said, here's the thing. You could either be at 500 and take a chance that the market's not going to respond uh, real favorably as far as multiple offers in terms of conditions. That would be the most favorable for you as a seller. And, and therefore, you know, that might happen, that may not, or you could, in, in most cases, we definitely see that if you put it at, say, 485 or 489, and you're ahead of all the, the whatever competition is out there in real time, this is what would probably spark multiple offers, which gives you better terms as far as, and I just saw this this last week with one, whereas because we have multiple offer situations with a townhouse we just did in Thermont, we were able to get it with just as is with an inspection, right, you know, to get out three days time rather than what we're seeing a lot of is regular inspections. If there's no other offers, that's pretty much definitely what a seller, a buyer is going to want. And also one of the big terms and conditions we're seeing today is, uh, you know, if there's multiple offer situations, closing costs or anything of that nature goes out the window first. Whereas if there isn't, that's going to potentially be asked for because, Terry, we've talked about it. So many buyers today are doing VA, USDA or FHA loans and potentially may need closing cost help. And even if they didn't, what's the problem of just not even ask, you know, what's problem asking for it if there's no other offers in place. And that's the thing that we're starting to see emerge 
um, more than ever before. So, but the but the seller still insists. They say, "I want five ten. I want five ten. I really think the market's going to give it to us." The chance of that, I, I tell them, is it's slipping away, and um, I just don't want you to be upset because you get six or eight showings or so in no offers, or if it's over, say fourteen days or the average time of the days of market for that particular area in which you have in that price point, um, and if you get no offers. Unless your condition is much, much better, you're typically going to fall into the same boat and get behind the curve, and therefore your future position is not going to look near as good because the worst thing you could ever do, I believe, in this market or almost any market is have to make a readjustment with your value to get more competitive. And so the last thing, Terry, before I share and turn it back over to you, I want to get your thoughts on this strategy because right now, this morning, 34% of all sellers have adjusted their value downward um, since they've put their home on the market, 34%. One out of all three homes right now for sale have already made some type of a, an adjustment to value. So what are your thoughts on all that? Well, I think that's a good strategy, especially in the market that we're seeing, is you've got to be ahead of the competition. You've got to create, you've got to create enthusiasm about your property, and, and the best way to do it is, A, have it in good condition, like you've always talked about, like we've talked about so many times but b you got to be competitive six months ago 510 520 it didn't matter you know things were going to rock and roll now people are taking that step back the first sign is that we're at 32 days average on the market okay that's a big number so the other thing that you said is more and more people are buying that have fha va and usda loans okay we've talked about that on the show when there's not multiple offers, when you don't have five conventional contracts to choose from and two FHAs, the FHAs really rarely won the deals, okay? So I don't know how many are USDA, but I do know that 23% of the contracts that have been accepted are either FHA or VA, okay? So mortgage, uh, so FHA and VA, we are starting to see more, and I've talked about that on the show. So as a seller, get ahead of the curve, like Darren says. Also, I think it's very important to keep your eyes open and your mind open if you see an FHA or a VA or a USDA loan. Six, eight months ago, sellers wouldn't even consider that. Why wouldn't they consider it? Because the realtors wouldn't push them, okay? Today, it's a different market, and so stay ahead of the curve. All righty, good stuff. The other big thing, Terry, you mentioned a condition, and I just had a uh, an appointment I was at this um, week. Um, it's an estate sale. My heart goes out to the family. I know them well. I've, I've uh, helped one of the family members already with selling and, and buying a home and such like that. And um, and so, yeah, it's it's not ever easy with this. And so here the family comes in. You know, you've got the executor of the estates and, and the, and the uh, family members and such like that come in. And so here I am, you know, looking at everything, all things considered. And, you know, and so this was a scenario of the condition. Uh, with this particular place that had not been updated in, in probably 20, 25 years or so. Um, the big kicker of this place, it's in great, it's in Warman's Mill. It's it's a flat, I call it, it's, it's like a ranch, a flat, single family, you know, type one level living with a basement, which is really uh, popular, of course. And so therefore, because it's great community, you know, the style, the whole nine yards, the biggest thing is that the, the you know the paint was in good shape. The flooring not too terribly bad. Had some hardwood. Just need some carpet updates. Eh, 
don't know if somebody's going to want to go that direction or not. I just pretty much I told them the strategy now is just maybe give instead of flooring allowance because we know that doesn't speak as well as just giving closing costs. But the big kicker was this. Um, this place had this had a colossal amount of wallpaper. The master bedroom top to bottom. I mean, there was so much wallpaper. The bathroom outlets in the bathrooms were covered with the same wallpaper on the outlet covers. That's when you know you got it going on. That's from the late 80s or earlier, so uh, or early 90s. So it was kind of funny. The big question staying ahead of the curve was a couple of things. Number one, on the conditional level is, you know, dollar for dollar, number one, they were like, we are not taking our time and taking all this down and taking weekends and da-da-da. You know, we're going to paint the ceiling and do this and a few other things and walls, and we might get this and this done. I gave them some ideas and, of course, some of the outside stuff um, to touch up and power washing this and that. So these are very cosmetic, easy things to do that the return is sweat equity, we call it, or two or 300% in, in some cases. Um, but the whole thing with this wallpaper thing, is always really, really tricky. So I said to them, I said, look, um, go ahead and get an estimate from my painter guys. Go ahead and get an estimate of what it's going to take to take all this down because some areas weren't so bad. And they were like, we could probably tackle that. That's just some trim or, you know, whatever. And and before we paint, I said, okay. But all the big stuff, the bathrooms and the master bed and all this and that, um, I thought, well, it does make a huge difference because no one wants to deal with it, number one, personally, and the cost of it is, is, is a wild child factor out there. I have definitely learned that. And I said, my painter's really competitive. He's awesome. So, Mr. Paintbrush, Jorge. And I said, get a, an estimate from him. And uh, let's just kind of base it from that point on. And I said, it could be profitable to do. I said, if they can get it done in a day or two, and I don't know, I'm just guessing, let's just say it's $1,000 extra or $2,000, you very well easily may be able to sell for four or 5000 more. And it could be over 100% return on the investment. And it's only going to take an extra day or two, which is not usually a, a real big deal. So those are come the strategies I was using in this particular situation, even as it as in a state sale, which obviously most people just want to clean it up. Do we stage it all? Do we take furniture out? Do we do this, that? And we got through all that. But the big, big thing is, um, you know, we just we just need to sell this as is. We're not going to make a lot of repairs in this net. We just need to to go ahead and sell it. So that was the big thing was the wallpaper stuff. And so we don't see a lot of that anymore, you know, Terry. Um, but it does come up. And, and so it can go a couple different ways where it's worth doing or not worth doing. And that's why I like to use that as one of the last piece things to evaluate. And uh, But this one makes a big difference. This was not just one bathroom or one area or trim or this that it was quite a bit so um so that was one of the things i uh had dealt with on that so but there again this goes back to buyers are shopping for for value more than three months ago because with the higher interest rates and the payments that buyers are having terry i'm learning that more and more and more they don't they don't they want to just finance it they'd rather have a place turnkey paint carpet no wallpaper this that whatever maybe and they don't want to do a lot of updates because a couple of things. Number one, they can just finance it. They already know they're paying top dollar, so they can just finance it within the loan of paying a little more for the house. And therefore, we can move in and it's fine uh, versus doing the work now and having to pay for it now. Um, because I have learned just a lot of people just don't have the extra money in this hot market still where it's still not even the norm for sellers to be offering and giving much in closing costs help whatsoever. So what are your thoughts on all that strategy as far as on the conditional side? Yeah, I think that's true. And, and the funny thing that you brought up wallpaper is I was with some buddies last week, uh, some college buddies, and we were talking, we're, you know, we're all the same age. We all have kids. 
And one of them said, yeah, I was talking to one of my kids, and they said, how are you doing? And I said, well, I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger. And the kid was like, the kid who's in her 20s was like, okay, what does that mean? And and he just started laughing, and we were laughing about it. And, you know, it's the old saying, you know, about a one-armed wallpaper hanger, you know, that old saying. And then he was just like, yeah, people don't even use wallpaper anymore. Our kids don't even know what it is. So, so yes, if you have wallpaper, it's going to be a tougher sell, okay? And don't paint over the wallpaper, okay? That creates a disaster there. So, you know, have it removed, to take the time or get it done, because that's one of the things that I think people, when they walk into a house and they see wallpaper, I think that that's one of the things, because nobody likes to deal with taking it off, but that's one of the things that really people when they look at it they just go oh so i agree yeah that's definitely good thought it's funny you say that about the wallpaper because we get that all the time as somebody will say can you paint over and i'm like well i think lynn or something i've heard of something that's pretty good for it overall but i don't know if i would risk it because the big thing is you know if you have edges and stuff peeling up and if it's in perfect shape and there's no peeling up anywhere or no areas like that or no areas that need glue down or anything from you know from the 70s that has uh, just decided not to stick anymore which is pretty pretty rare i found <laughs> they made some good stuff back then 3m had nothing on those guys back in them days um but the thing the, the thing i found is you're right it's not worth painting over and taking that risk at all um because it could become actually much more of a mess you could actually open up a bigger can of worms but the funny thing with this particular house and I've seen this before where if it's just, say, like one wall, like an accent wall or something like that or whatever, um, I, I, have, I have actually suggested before um, get the – I think it's quarter inch or even thinner, man. I don't know, quarter inch. Get the thinnest um, uh, drywall, and you might, depending if there's no trim or you know, things like that, you actually might be able to get away with – putting a piece of drywall over top the whole accent if it's a whole big wall and then just basically taping and mudding that and then voila going from that point that may be a lot cheaper faster easier fix and all that and then you can barely notice um from the wall coming off of it you know how much space you've lost and so maybe maybe that luan that that real thin thin one eighth or less inch of the um wood stuff that we've used before for almost looks like a paneling uh, maybe they'll come up with something like that that can go over top wallpaper and it acts a lot like, um, you know, drywall, if you will. And that that's the quick, easiest fix as far as that's concerned. So if anybody invents something like that, you'll probably do pretty well. Well, you'll do good. How's that? So that would be my thoughts on that. So, yeah, because like I said, buyers already know they're going to be paying top dollar. They really don't want to deal with a lot of stuff like that. So sellers need to stay ahead of the curve in this market change and shift by being a lot more cognizant of the fact that um because 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 uh you know the the buyers are just demanding that the condition is going to be more in tip-top shape than ever before because if not what they're going to do is their strategy i'm finding is they're just going to wait for their uh, house that if it doesn't meet the condition that they want they're just going to wait for something else to come up that's in a better condition overall so that i think is something that we're going to see emerge in the next six months uh quite a bit more so um, I just finished with a townhouse update. We just got in the market. Um, 
the cost to redo everything, doing the carpets and a couple touch-ups. My son, he did all the fixtures and the doorknobs and changed those up. This was a funny thing because a lot of people will say, well, um, you know, it's got like 15 or 16. It had the brass doorknobs, but it has like updated paint and, and tile and this and everything else looks really good. And the bathroom fixture. So when we looked at it, I thought, wait a second here. You got to make this all just, you know, like the nickel plate and make it all the handles and everything, the hinges, the whole nine yards. Um, and make it, uh, you know, update as far as that. And some people would say, well, how much of a difference does that really make? For five or $600, I think it was, it was night and day. Even my son could not believe. He's like, Dad, um, this is like night and day how it makes just those fixtures on it. And I said, yeah, it's the same with like in bathrooms or anything else. Um, same with knobs, knobs on kitchen cabinets, you know, whenever you reface them and paint them and all that. Um, you know, take off those brass knobs and or something that's not looking good or, or dated out pretty bad to match up everything else, you know, to get in line with whether you have like stainless steel, you know, appliances or things of that nature, or to be able to complement sometimes granite colors and floor colors and things like that as well. So, and it doesn't cost much. It's so cheap. You're dealing with three and $400,000 homes. What is $500 that's going to probably give you a rate of return? Um, I know three months, six months ago, no. People could have cared less it was a brass knob. But today, the initial appearance on everything is a really big deal. So, Terry, what do you think of that strategy staying ahead of the curve, changing out just basic fixtures and things right now rather than doing kitchen remodels or, or like, all-new countertops and things like that and going to that next level, which is when we get into a whole different market sometimes? What are your thoughts on that? I think that's a good thought. Um, you know, get the best bang for your buck is what I'm reading into that. And that definitely is getting the best bang for your buck. And when Darren says that you can get more for the house, the one thing that you're looking to do is if you have 10 people come through the house and the house needs no work, it, it, it's, it's been fixed, the minor things, the major things, whatever, it looks good. What you're doing is you're trying to get two people to start bidding against each other, and that's where the more money comes in. But if 10 people go through the house and all of them see the wallpaper and they go, ooh, ah, hmm, not for me, then that's where you have a situation where you don't have the competition. You don't have the interest. So the key by doing what Darren said is you're generating more interest, which means more money, which means a higher sales price, which means more money in your pocket. So, yes, I think that that definitely makes a 100% sense to to do that approach. Okay, that's good. I got another scenario for you, Terry. I want to get your take on this and stuff. And same with our listeners. You can um, definitely let us know or you can call in at 301-694-9363 uh, next week when we're going to be live because this is our recording this week. Um, I just was at another house this week. I've had, man, it's gotten really busy. I think I've had three or four appointments and another buyer so it's really gotten really busy this week. I just met with this new seller here, and they did a great job maintaining this house. They've been there about six or seven years, uh, six years, I think. And then they, they put on a roof last year. The HVAC is a year old, and the floor paint and all that stuff is great. Um, the appliances are a little bit newer. They had, like, one-year-old dishwasher, and, like, all the rest were, like, five or six years old when they moved in. So they're newer overall. Um, the house was built, like, I think, in 95. Um 
overall, overall, it's like an eight out of ten. Okay, so this house is like a, a solid, like man, this is like an eight or almost nine out of ten. Somebody will say, "Why'd you put it eight out of 10 I'm gonna tell you now. So we get to the basement, and here's the deal. There's two. There's two things that I notice with this particular property because, as I've told everybody. I go into sellability is uh, is that when we look at sellability. So here's the thing. The basement had one small week. It had Bilko doors, okay, that were sealed up really good. But in the last six years, they had one time they had a little bit of moisture water come in, and there's no drain at the bottom of the steps. But they do have a sump pump over on the other side of the basement. So they were smart. They had already gotten some estimates to find out how much is it to, to, to like, you know, get the concrete up and put in what we call like a French drain and to be able to tie it in and everything like that. So, Terry, we only have 30 seconds, so I'm just going to share what happened. So, so here's the thing. Next week, we're going to find out the answer of what did the sellers do? What did they do? So their idea was how much is this going to affect buyer? You know, what are they going to think about it and all that kind of stuff like that. So the second thing I looked at, and I'll talk about next week too, is the living room space size was not that big at all for the overall house. And so now the question becomes, uh uh-oh, how much does this affect us with value? So, all right, Terry, we'll see you next week here. And everybody else, have an awesome weekend. And take care. Happy buying and selling. And uh, take care. Thanks for letting us help you. Looking to purchase a home or refinance your existing mortgage? If so, Lawyer Signature Settlements is here to assist you with that process. Lawyer Signature Settlements is a local attorney-owned title company with over 100 years of combined experience conveniently located in Frederick, Maryland. We are licensed to conduct closings in the states of Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia. With two attorneys on staff here at Lawyer Signature Settlements, we ensure the most thorough review process paired with affordable rates, accommodating scheduling, and outstanding customer service. So next time you need to place your signature on closing documents, call Lawyer Signature Settlements at 301 695 one two three five or visit us on the web at www.signaturesettlements.com we hope to see you at the closing table hello this is terry kernan with presidential bank mortgage in downtown frederick and the best way to reach me always is on my cell phone at 301-639-9244 301-639-9244 or you can always email me at t kernan at presidential.com and this is darren ahern from remax results you can reach me anytime 240-344-1713 again it's 240-344-1713 or at darren ahern at gmail.com thanks so much for tuning in to your frederick real estate update we will see you each